we're going to take a look at the first chapter of the first book of the Bible, and we're going to look into the day that God created Adam and Eve, the very first man and the very first woman of the human race. Now, taking a peek into creation is really very important because in order to fully live our lives, we have to go back to the original intent of God wanted for us when he created the first human and the first male and female. Amen. Now, Genesis 1 says this, so God created men in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Look at the Bible. On the creation day itself, the first thing that God did after he created the man and the woman was this. He blessed them. He blessed them. And that is God's heart. God didn't curse them and say, well, I made you now, you horrible, ugly human beings. Well, let's see, you know, go and live your life. God didn't curse them. Neither did God taunt them and say, well... Now that you are here, go, go, go and figure out what this thing called life is all about. You know, let's see how you do in this thing called life. He didn't taunt them. But the first thing that God did when he created them was he blessed them. Amen. So some of you here, maybe you've been told too many times in your life that you are a good for nothing. You are a failure. Maybe you have suffered rejection and after many rejections in life. And some of us, we are girls growing up in a home where the boy is always valued above the girl. And we're told that we are, you know, not as accepted as the boy. But let me tell you today, um, this verse speak to your heart. That you must know that the first thing that God spoke was that you are blessed. So I say to you today, you are blessed. You are not here on earth by accident. God wanted you to exist. And he has a purpose for your life. Amen. And to all the girls here, I want to say to you, you are as valued as the boy. As equally blessed as the boy in the family. Because God blessed both and not just the male. He blessed both the male and the female. And to all the boys, you're feeling a little neglected. Now, let me tell you, you are equally precious as the girl. Amen. So, so God's intent for you is to walk in his blessings. Amen. So we're going to take a further look in Genesis 1 to see what were the words that followed and what did God do after he said he would bless them because that will reveal to us what those blessings entail. Now, if you look further in Genesis 1, it says that God blessed them and then God followed up with these words. God says, be fruitful and multiply. Now, be fruitful and multiply. And when he spoke to Adam and Eve, of course, he meant it physically, right? Um, what he basically meant was go and bear children and fill the earth. Which we know that Adam and Eve did perfectly well. Because instead of just two human beings on earth right now, we have an entire human race. So they were fruitful physically and they filled the earth. But you know, what is true of the natural is also true of the spiritual. That blessing of God to be fruitful and multiply applies not just physically, naturally, but it also applies spiritually. All you have to do is to fast forward to the New Testament in John 15, where Jesus emphasizes the same truth about fruitfulness. It says in John 15, it says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit so that you will be 
my disciples. Jesus here in the New Testament, he emphasized the same truth. He talks about fruitfulness. But what he was referring to was spiritual fruit. Spiritual fruit. In the original intent of God, when he created humans, he wanted us to not just be fruitful physically, but he also wants us to be fruitful spiritually. Now, in the Bible, what is fruit? Well, when you look into the Bible, several different kinds of fruit are mentioned when the word fruit is mentioned. And uh, I know that all of you here, you are Bible scholars because recently you have bought this Logos Bible software. <laughs> and you are, you know, scholars now. So I know you love the Word of God, so I'm going to paste them all up there so that you can go home and check on your Logos and know that Pastor Lee is telling the truth. So what kind of fruit are we talking about in the Bible? Well, Romans 6, we say that as we grow in holiness and obedience, we are bearing fruit. That's in Romans 6. And then Galatians 5, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. That is the forming of Christian character. It is also another kind of fruit. And then Hebrews 13 talks about the fruit of our lips. When you praise God, sing to him and praise him with words, that is considered fruit of our lips. And then Romans 15, the Apostle Paul, he considered Christian financial giving to be fruit as well. So heart of God, church, bearing fruit should be natural to us. Fruitfulness is our natural environment. Producing fruit is our element. And in the original plan of God, you are called to be a producer and not a consumer. You are called to be a producer, not a consumer. God wants us to produce fruit in our lives. And producing should be natural for us. It's our natural environment. Look, have you ever looked at an eagle in the sky that's flying and asked, is it difficult to fly? You don't, because flying is the eagle's natural environment. You don't, you don't ask a fish, well, well, is it difficult to, to swim? You don't knock on the, the, the glass aquarium and say, fish, is it difficult to swim? And the fish is not going to reply you and say, oh, let me check. I'm going to wiggle my body a little bit. Maybe open my gills. Oops, I opened one side only. Let me try again. I'm going to wiggle a little bit. Open the left. Oh, no, wrong. I got to open them together. Okay, wiggle a bit. Open gills. Wiggle a bit. Open gills. It won't tell you that. The fish just swims. Because water is its natural environment. Amen? So that's why it is the same for us. You know, God has created us to be fruitful and multiplying. Our natural environment is fruitfulness. So we are designed to be producers, not consumers. It is in our nature to produce. If we don't produce, we get frustrated. If we don't progress, we get frustrated. Producing is a Christian concept. In fact, God is so serious about producing and being productive that in Matthew 3, he says this, and even now the X is laid to the root of the trees, and therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. God is serious about us being productive in life, amen? We must have a producer mentality. But guess what? The sad thing about life 
is that we live in a world that has a consumer mindset. The world has a consumer mentality. Sometimes we Christians, we bring into the church a consumer mindset. You know, there are Christians in church that consume services and enjoy services and grow fat, spiritually fat in church. You know how they are. They enjoy the services. They have a consumer mindset. You know, they say things like this. Oh, this week's service is much better than last week's service. You know, last week's preacher is better than Pastor Lear this week, which is Pastor Charleston. <laughs> uh, you know, people go, uh, consumer mindset Christians, they go, oh, my needs are not fed in this church. You know, uh, the teaching is a little too shallow. Da-da, change church. Consumer mindset. Any small thing, they go, change church. But you know what? Jesus challenges the consumer mindset. In fact, in the scripture, Jesus says, if you love me, you got to feed my lamb. And stop expecting to be fed all the time. Amen? He's challenging all the Christians in church to a producer mindset. Now, in the end times... There will be a consumer mindset. The Bible says in Second Timothy, it says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, hot, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. More and more people are going to start to live for themselves and live for just pleasure and enjoyment. Amen? Well, you, you know the song, right? It goes... It's just me, myself, and I, solo right until I die, cause I, hey, I got some echo in this service. When I did this in yesterday's service, nobody knew the song. Give yourselves a big hand. So people will be consumers, right? So I want to encourage everybody here. Don't come to church with a consumer mindset. Don't come to church like it is a buffet and say, you know what? I like this. I don't like that. We call, you know, people, there are people out there who are wine canoziers, you know, food canoziers. We have church canoziers. They go everywhere and they critique church all the time. So don't behave like that. Don't come to church and, you know, say, what can it do for me? Don't shop for a church to be comfortable in and enjoy. Amen. Christianity is not a consumer religion. It is a producer faith. Let me say that one more time. Christianity is not a consumer religion. It is a producer faith. The church is not an amusement center. It is a training center. The church is not a shopping center. It is a giving center. The church is not a nursery or a childcare. It is a gym. And the church does not exist to solve all your problems. But the church exists to build you, to become problem solvers of your own lives. Come on, let's give Jesus a big hand. So heart of God, church, we have to go back to the blueprint, amen? 
God said that we are to be fruitful and we are to multiply. Fruitfulness is our environment. Producing is our natural element. So now, what then is not our natural element? What is not natural to us? Well, what is not natural to you is to sit all day in front of the television set or sit in front of the game console for 24 hours. What is not natural for us is to be in the flesh eating, eating all the time and spend the whole day in bed. But have you ever noticed that when you do that, the more you do that, the more you feel like you're rotting, you feel horrible. Well, that's because we are not created to do that. It's all right to watch television. You know, I watch it. It's okay to watch a movie. Sometimes we need that. But that's only once in a while. You cannot make that your only lifestyle. And so I'm speaking to a whole room of Singaporeans here. Will you understand this when I say it is not our natural environment to noir? Rotting and noying is the attitude of a consumer. God has not created you to be a consumer, but a producer. Our natural environment is to be fruitful and multiplying. And you and I, we find the greatest joy when we are being a producer, not a consumer. How do you know whether you have a producer mindset? Well, a good question to ask yourself is this. Are you more attracted to entertainment or are you more attracted to enrichment? Consumers love entertainment. Producers, they love enrichment. What is the bulk of your time spent on? Are you investing time to grow yourself physically, spiritually, socially and mentally? Or are you constantly choosing entertainment in your whatever spare time you have and just watching YouTube videos to amuse yourself. Now, you have to be very careful about an excess of entertainment in your life. You know, when we amuse ourselves, we call it amusement, entertainment. The word amusement is very interesting. And uh, Bishop Browner mentioned this before. You know, if you break down the word of amusement, it actually means this. The word meant... Is actually a state of being. So when we say contentment, it means you are in a state of being content. So meant is the state of being. Now the first word there, amuse, a, that word is a Latin prefix that means not or none or without. So that's the meant, state of being, a, none. And the center word muse, amusement, the muse is to think. And if you put that word together, it means when you're in a state of amusement, it means that you're not thinking. Amusement is being in a state where you're not thinking. You don't have to think. Now, watching television is definitely an amusement because when we obsessively watch television, we don't have to think because they think for us. The plots are developed. The characters are already painted out. The endings have already been decided for you. We don't really think very much about the plot because it's all been decided. So obsessive, constant TV watching will put us into the state of not thinking. 
Again, watching television is not wrong. We all need moments of non-thinking, especially after a long day. But what I'm saying here is that we cannot make entertainment, obsessive amusement become our only lifestyle. We cannot afford to have our mind on vacation. We cannot indulge in things that put our minds on permanent vacation. So friends, it's your choice. Entertainment or enrichment, you got to choose. Producer or consumer, you have to choose. The famous writer and revivalist Leonard Ravenhill says this. He says, entertainment is the devil's substitute for joy. Entertainment is the devil's substitute for joy. Producers have the real joy because this is what God has called us to do. Consumers, they have the substitute. So heart of God, church, you have to be blessed, to be fruitful, to be multiplying. For God has called you to be a producer. Amen. Now, what other spiritual fruit can you and I produce besides the one we talk about today? Well, another fruit that you and I produce in our lives, if you read Romans 1, is that we bear fruit when we win other people to Jesus. We bear fruit when we win others to Christ. Look at what Paul says in Romans 1. It says, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. He says, I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit just as I have seen among other Gentiles. This is what Paul is saying. He said that he wants to see fruit. People being won to Christ. Our fruit in life is winning souls to Jesus. We are also blessed to be fruitful and multiplying in the area of winning souls. So heart of God church, more than just being a mega church or just being a church about numbers and statistics, you know what? The church, the body of Christ should grow because it is God's design and God's desire that every Christian must be a fruitful and multiplying Christian. We cannot help but to be fruitful and multiply. We cannot help but be fruitful in soul winning and bringing people to connect with God. You see, in Genesis, when God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, it was not just a blessing for the physical, but it was also spiritual. Because if you look into the New Testament, when Jesus gave the great commission to the disciples, these words of Jesus in the great commission, they reiterated the blessing and the command of Genesis 1, 28. They echo the same thing. Matthew 28 in the Great Commission, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It says, be fruitful and multiply in Genesis 1.28. But in the Great Commission, it says, go and make disciples of all nations. It is the same truth that was being reiterated in the New Testament. And some Bible scholars even said, that actually Genesis 1.28 is our very first great commission from God. So friends, we are fruitful not just physically, but spiritually in the area of soul winning. Amen. 
John 15, Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you. So you and I are not only called to bear fruit, which is winning souls and turning people from non-believers to believers, but we know that our fruit will remain in the house of God and not backslide and not lured away by the world. So our fruitfulness is not just limited to winning souls, but it is also expanding all the way to building disciples. So you and I, we've been blessed And we are called to not only have producing power, but we have reproducing power in our lives. So Jesus say, you shall bear fruit and your fruit shall remain. He says, go into the world and make disciples, not just believers, but disciples. Bear fruit and your fruit shall remain. Amen. So know this, there's not only producing power in your life, there's reproducing power. You and I can reproduce disciples, amen? Now, how many of you have seen a mule before? Did God create the mule? Do you know there is no such thing as a mule? God did not create the mule because the mule is a man-made animal. A mule is actually a hybrid between a horse and a donkey. It is the offspring of a female horse and a male donkey. Uh, The mule is a hybrid that is engineered by men to bring together the characteristics of the strength of a horse and the endurance of a donkey. So when people made that mule, well, it proved to be a very good worker on the field. But guess what? The mule has one flaw. It has one fault. The mule cannot reproduce. It is sterile because it is man-made. The mule cannot reproduce because it is engineered by men. It cannot because it is man-made. But heart of God, church, guess what? You are more than a mule. You are not man-made. Being sterile, you know, the inability to reproduce, you know, is part of a man-made church and a man-made Christian and a man-made efforts. But you are different. How of God, church, you are God-made. You are God-called. You are God-ordained. Amen? God has produced heart of God, church, on the face of this earth to be an expression of his heart, being called into existence by God. We are born of God. Every single one of you, you were born into Christ when you accepted him into your life. Amen? So you were God-made. You were God-appointed. You were God-called. And if you look into the word of God, it says this. It says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So if you are born of God... You will be fruitful because you are not man-made, because you are God-made. You are not operating in the flesh, but you're operating in the spirit. You've been called by God to do what you do. And because of that, you will overcome the world. You will be fruitful and you will multiply. Listen, churches that are born of God, they have the capacity for spontaneous reproduction. When the church is born of God. It is a vibrant organism. Life is reproduced over and over again. That means in a church like this that has been born of God, Christians will, 
reproduce new believers. Disciples will reproduce disciples. Youth will reproduce youth. Leaders will reproduce leaders. Reproduction is a God-given desire. A non-reproducing species like the mule will itself only live one generation. But guess what? Whatever is born of God reproduces. And a species that reproduces, we can live as long as time exists. You see, when we talk about generations in Heart of God Church, we are talking about this spiritual reproductive power. We have been called to reproduce. Amen. We do not have to be taught to reproduce. It is inherent in our nature. So Heart of God Church, this is my strong belief. And this message comes from my heart. Every one of you born of God in this church that is born of God, you will reproduce. Because you are not man-made. You are more than a mule. You will reproduce. Because you are not man-made. Amen. And I'm going to land with this question. What kind of opportunities for fruit bearing are there in your life right now? What opportunities for fruit bearing are around you right now? Again, Leonard Revenhill says this. He says, the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. Now, if you have heard Pastor Howe's iconic sermon that talks about the story of how the God Church called the journey of a dream, you will know that our church went through a horrendous time in 2001. That was 17 years ago, 2001. At that time, our church were only about 140 people and only about 30 young people. And they were aged between 9 to 13 years old. So this was really in the early, 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 early years of the church. Now, in history, you know that in September 11, 2001, New York was attacked by terrorists. That was 911. But for us, it wasn't 911. It was 902. It was not on the 11th of September, but it was on the 2nd of September that same year. Two youngers from our church, age 13, one age 12, the other 13, they died in an accident just right outside of our church. And so when I was preparing this sermon a couple of weeks back, I was a little stunned because uh, I didn't realize that I was going to share this story on the uh, anniversary of that accident this weekend. I didn't know that. It was really a, a God coincidence. And I'm just sharing this story again this week, which is the anniversary. But so what happened on that day was that service was at 10 a.m. And uh, it finished at 12, of course. And the habit of the young people then was that they would love, they loved to just walk across the road and go for lunch at a coffee shop nearby. And so on Sunday, September the 2nd, Pastor Hannah Howe and I, we were still in church after service. And then suddenly a bunch of youths came running back and they, they told us, you know, Pastor, there has been an accident. So, of course, we ran out. We were shocked. And when we ran out at the cross junction, we saw two bodies on the road. And a bus had beaten a red light and ran across these two girls, ran over these two girls. And uh, these two girls, when they were crossing the road, they actually had the right of way. So my husband and I, we ran out to the road. And when we saw the two bodies, we knew immediately 
that the wheels of the bus had run over them. And Agnes, you know, uh, I saw her, her lower body was completely crushed and she would be sent to the hospital and she later died in hospital. And of course, I ran to Esther and Esther was lying on the road and her body was twisted in a very awkward manner, but, but she was still breathing. And uh, I ran over to her, I knelt down by her side and and she was still breathing and she was looking at me with her eyes and just breathing. And, and so I kept calling out for her name, you know, I kept calling her, kept calling her. But she let out one last breath and her body was very still. And there she died on the road. You know, the funny thing was when I look at her face, there was actually peace on her face. And it was very incongruous for me at that point in time because it was such a violent accident. But there was actually peace on her face when she went home to be with Jesus. And so those two girls in the accident, two spunky little girls, they made a bold entrance into heaven that day. Now, the story about Esther and Agnes is very interesting because it was actually Agnes who brought Esther to church. One day, you know, Agnes just brought Esther in suddenly out of the blue for youth camp. And uh, Esther was not yet a believer when she came for youth camp. And if you know, youth camp then was like for fewer than 30 people. So I saw her and I was like shocked. And I, I thought, have you asked the mom whether she can come? And so I ended up, you know, a long time on the phone trying to convince Esther's mother that we are good people, that Agnes is a good friend and she can stay for the youth camp. And so the mother said, yes, uh, we'll let Esther stay. So Esther was in camp. And you know what? That very first night at youth camp, that was the very first time I saw her in church. I shared Christ with her. That was camp, December 2000. And uh, I went to look into the archives and I realized that we still have a video recording of that moment when I shared Christ with her. Now, I haven't seen this video in years and years and years and years. And so earlier two weeks ago, when I took this video out and I just look at it, I was really quiet on the inside because I was so gripped. Do you know, I shared Christ with her in youth camp December 2000. And just nine months later in 2001, she went to heaven. And in the video, which I'm going to show you, you will see that there was no technology at the point in time. No John 3.16 app that we have now. No, you know, no Bible on phone. So it was just pen on paper, sharing John 3.16, flipping the actual pages of a Bible and just sharing Christ to a 13-year-old girl on the first night of camp, the first time I met her. So I'm going to show you the video right now. Let's roll the video. So that video was about 17, 18 years ago. And uh, on that night, Esther just received Christ. And then she got to fill in a newcomer's card and all the details. And this is what she said on the impression card. She says, I feel that God wants me to continue attending church faithfully. And my prayer is that, Jesus, I wish to be able to attend church for each session. Please pray for everyone I have known and make friends with. 1st December, 2000. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. The first time I met her was December 2000. And the next time she went to heaven was nine months later. Friends, I had a chance to reach Esther. 
there was a lifetime to the opportunity. It was just nine months. And I thank God, and I'm so grateful, so grateful when I saw this video, that I didn't wait until the 10th month or the 11th month to share Christ with her. But I shared Christ with her on the very first night that I met her. I seized the opportunity. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. What opportunities around you are there today to win someone to Jesus? Stand up with me right now. So today, as you stand here, I want every head to be bowed, no eyes closed right now. You're going to spend the next 30 seconds. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to just begin to speak to your heart. And I want your hearts to be open to the Holy Spirit. And as you stand here with your eyes closed and your heads bowed before God, God is going to drop pictures into your hearts and maybe names of people that he's going to cause to flash across your mind. People who need to know him. Young people who need to know him especially. Your friend's brother, your friend's sister. Young people who need to know him. And God is going to drop those names to you. And as you see those names and those faces, faith is going to come up through your heart. And you're going to have compassion for them. And you're going to say, yes, Lord, I will seize my opportunities. Because that opportunity has a lifetime to it. It's a due date, an expiry date. That's right. Names are coming up. Pictures of faces of friends and young people. Holy Spirit. Put the burden for souls. Put the faith for fruitfulness into our hearts right now. Thank you, Jesus. You know what? As those names and those faces are there in your heart, we're going to do something really unusual in this service. We're going to sing the song that's written by Heart of God Church, For God So Loved the World. But because we are not a consumer church, we are producing church. We want to think for others. And today we're going to use this song, not to sing about our own salvation, but we want to use this song to sing of the potential salvation of the friends that we have and the young people that we know. And we're going to change the words from about just me, 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 me to them and they. And so we're going to sing this song together. As you sing, I want you to imagine the people God has shown you, the names and the faces, and you begin to pray and sing this song over them. And begin to have faith in your heart to see them saved and walking with Jesus in this house. Let faith arise as you sing this song over them. Heart of God, church, are you ready? Just lift up your hands and just lift up those names to Jesus and those faces. And let's just begin to sing over them. Sing it. When they believe in Him, all their sins are washed away. Jesus gave his life to make them whole again And all their burdens and their fears 
at the cross they disappear they once were dead but now they live sing it over there when they believe in him all their sins are washed away Jesus gave his life to make them whole again all their burdens and all their burdens and their fears at the cross they Today, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus into your life. Friends, I believe in divine appointment. I believe that you're here today listening to this message, not because it's coincidence, but because God has orchestrated the circumstances of your life so that you can be here today to have this opportunity to receive Jesus into your life and become a Jesus follower. Well, let me tell you, every opportunity has a lifespan. The opportunity of a lifetime is to accept Jesus. But this opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of this opportunity. Today, do not leave this service throwing away this opportunity. But seize it. Seize it because this opportunity may never come again. This opportunity has a due date, has an expiry date. So if you are here and you're not yet a Jesus follower, you haven't given your heart to Jesus and invited him into your life, this is your opportunity seize it today and I'm going to count to three and if you're one of those people at the count of three you can lift up your hands and I'm going to lead you in a prayer when I see your hands and you say that prayer you will be receiving Jesus in your life and leading a producer life from that point onwards some of you here you are very far away from Jesus you used to be a Christian but drifted very far away you too can take this opportunity to come back to Jesus today you too at the count of three can put up your hands so all of you here not yet Jesus followers those far away from Jesus I'm going to count to three right now seize the opportunity today I'm going to count one two follow Jesus today one two three hands up 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 in the air up in the air that's right, I see your hands. Lift it real high. I see those hands at the back. Seize your opportunity. There is a lifetime and a due date. That's right, lift your hands real high. This is the best decision you're going to make in your life. I see your hands all across this room. And if you lift your hands up, keep it up. I'm going to pray with you and lead you in a prayer. 
You can follow me in this prayer, and the whole church can follow as well. Say, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, today, today, I invite you into my life. I invite you into my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I'm cleansed. I'm cleansed. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. From today onwards. From today onwards. Jesus, Jesus, you are my Lord and you are my Savior. You are my Lord and my Savior. From today onwards. From today onwards. I will turn from just a pure consumer to a producer. I will turn from a pure consumer to a producer. From today onwards. From today onwards. I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna follow you. Jesus. Jesus. Thank you for the joy that's gonna be in my life. Thank you for the joy that's gonna be in my life. The peace that's gonna come. The peace that's gonna come. I love you. I love you. And I will follow you. And I will follow you. All the days of my life. All the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say. Amen. Let's give all these many, many people who lift up their hands. So proud of you, and you seize the opportunity. For the rest of us here, I want you to lift up your hands. You know those names and those faces that God has given you. We're going to lift them up to Jesus, and we're going to pray it. We're going to pray. Lift those names up, part of God Church. Every one of you here. sermon. We pray that you've been blessed by the Word of God. To find out more about us, you can log on to www.heartofgodchurch.org or connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at HOGC. You can also follow Pastor Leah on Facebook and Instagram at pastor.leah.